Book Nine, Chapter Ten of Camilla. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Lars Rolander. Camilla or a Picture of Youth by Fanny Burney. Chapter Ten. A Bride's Resolves. With every allowance for a grief in which so deeply he shared, Mr. Tyrrell felt nearly bowed down with sorrow when he observed his own tenderness abate of its power to console, and his exhortations of their influence with his miserable daughter, whose complicated affliction seemed desperate to herself and to him nearly hopeless. He now began to fear the rigid economy and retirement of their present lives might add secret disgust or fatigue to the disappointment of her heart. He sighed at an idea so little in unison with all that had hitherto appeared of her disposition, yet remembered she was very young and very lively, and thought that, if caught by a love of gayer scenes than Etherington afforded, she was at a season of life which brings its own excuse for such venial ambition. He mentioned, therefore, with great kindness their exclusion from all society, and proposed making an application to Mrs. Nedham, a lady high in the esteem of Mrs. Tyrold, to have the goodness to take the charge of carrying them a little into the world during the absence of their mother. I can neither exact nor desire, he said, to sequester you from all amusement for a term so utterly indefinite as that of her restoration, since it's now more than ever desirable to regain the favour of your uncle Relville for Lionel, who has resisted every profession for which I have sought to prepare him, though his idle and licentious courses so little fit him for contentment with the small patrimony he will one day inherit. The sisters mutually and sincerely declined this proposition. Lavinia had too much employment to find time ever slow of passage, and Camilla, joined to the want of all spirit for recreation, had a dread of appearing in the county, lest she should meet with Sir Sedley Clarendon, whose two hundred pounds were amongst the evils ever present to her. The money which Eugenia meant to save for this account had all been given to Lionel and now her marriage was at an end, and no particular sum expected, she must be very long in replacing it, especially as Jacob was first to be considered, though he had kindly protested he was in no haste to be paid. Mr. Tyrold was not sorry to have his proposition declined, yet saw the sadness of Camilla unabated, and suggested for a transient diversity a visit to the group inquiring why an acquaintance begun with so much warmth and pleasure seemed thus utterly relinquished. Camilla had herself thought with shame of her apparently ungrateful neglect of Mrs. Albury, but the five guineas she had borrowed and forgotten to pay, while she might yet have asked them of Sir Hugh, and which now she had no ability anywhere to raise, made the idea of meeting with her painful and thus overwhelmed with regret and repentance for all around, her spirits gone and her heart sunk, she desired never more except for Cleves to stir from Edrington. Had he seen the least symptom of her revival, Mr. Tyrrell would have been gratified by her strengthened love of home, but this was far from being the case. 
and upon the marriage of miss dennell which was now celebrated he was glad of an opportunity to force her abroad from the necessity of making a congratulatory visit to the bride's aunt mrs arbury the chariot therefore of sir hugh being borrowed she was compelled into this exertion which was ill repaid by her reception from mrs arbury who hurt as well as offended by her long absence and total silence wore an air of the most chilling coldness camilla felt sorry and ashamed but too much disturbed to attempt any palliation for her non-appearance and remissness of even a note or message the room was full of morning visitors all collected for the same complimentary purpose but she was relieved with respect to her fears of sir sedley clarendall in hearing of his tour to the hebrides her mournful countenance soon however dispersed the anger of mrs arbury what cried she has befallen you my fair friend if you are not immeasurably unhappy you are very seriously ill yes no my spirits have not been good answered she stammering but yours may perhaps assist to restore them the composition of mrs arbury had no particle of either malice or vengeance she now threw off therefore all reserve and taking her by the hand said shall i keep you to spend the day with me yes or no peace or war and without waiting for an answer she sent back the chariot and a message to mr tyrrell that she would carry home his daughter in the evening and now my faithless fair cried she as soon as they were alone tell me what has led you to this abominable fickleness with me i mean if you had grown tired of anybody else i should have thought nothing so natural but you know i suppose that the same thing we philosophize into an admirable good joke for our neighbors we moralize into a crime against ourselves i thought said camilla attempting to smile none but country cousins ever made apologies nay now i must forgive you without one word more answered mrs albury laughing and shaking hands with her a happy citation of one bon mot is worth any ten offences so you see you have nine to commit in store to clear of all damages but the pleasure of finding one has not said a good thing only for once thence to be forgotten and die away in the winds is far greater than you can yet a while conceive in the first pride of youth and beauty our attention is all upon how we are looked at but when those begin to be somewhat on the wane when that barbarous time comes into play which revenges upon poor miserable woman all the airs she has been playing upon silly man our ambition then is how we are listened to so now cutting short reproach and excuse and all the wearing round of explanation tell me a little of your history since we last met this was the last thing camilla meant to undertake but she began in a hesitating manner to speak of her little debt mrs albury eagerly interrupting her insisted it should not be mentioned adding i go on vastly well again i am breaking in two ponies and building a new phaeton and i shall soon pay for both without the smallest inconvenience except just pinching my servants and starving my visitors but tell me something of your adventures you are not half so communicative as rumour 
which has given me a thousand details of you and married you and your whole set to at least half a dozen men apiece since you were last at the grove amongst others it asserts that my old lord valhurst was seriously at your feet that prating mrs mitten who fastened upon my poor little niece at tunbridge and who is now her factotum pretends that my lord's own servant spoke of it publicly at mrs burlington's this was a fact that being thus divulged a very few questions made impossible to deny though camilla was highly superior to the indelicacy and ingratitude of repaying the preference of any gentleman by publishing his rejection and what in the world my dear child said mrs albury could provoke you to so wild an action as refusing him good heaven mrs albury oh what you were not in love with him i believe not but if he was in love with you take my word for it that would have done quite as well tis such a little while that some love lasts even when it is begun with that you have but a few months to lose to be exactly upon a par with those who set out with all the quivers of cupid darting from heart to heart he has still fortune enough left for a handsome settlement you can't help outliving him and then think but how delectable would be your situation freedom money it will the choice of your own friends and the enjoyment of your own humour you would but try me my dear mrs albury for you cannot i am sure believe me capable of making so solemn an engagement for such mercenary hopes and selfish purposes this is all the romance of false reasoning you have not sought the man but the man you you would not have solicited his acceptance but yielded to his solicitation of yours the balance is always just where force is not used the man has his reasons for choosing you you have your reasons for suffering yourself to be chosen what his are you have no business to inquire nor has he the smallest right to investigate yours this was by no means the style in which camilla had been brought up to think of marriage and mrs albury presently added you are grave yet i speak but as a being of the world i live in though i address one that knows nothing about it tell me however a little more of your affairs what are all these marriages and no marriages our neighbourhood is so busy in making and unmaking camilla returned the most brief and quiet answers in her power but was too late to save the delicacy of eugenia in concealing her late double disappointments the abortive preparations of sir hugh having travelled through all the adjoining country poor little dear ugly thing cried mrs albury she must certainly go off with her footman unless indeed that good old pedant who teaches her that vast quantity of stuff she will have to unlearn when once she goes a little about will take compassion upon her and her thousands and put them both into his own pockets this raillery was painful nearly to disgust to camilla who frankly declared she saw her sister with no eyes but those of respect and affection and could not endure to hear her mentioned in so ridiculous a manner never judge the heart of a wit answered she laughing by the tongue we have often as good hearts eh and as much good-nature too as the careful prosers who utter nothing but what is right or the heavy thinkers who have too little fancy to say anything that is wrong 
but we have a pleasure in our own rattle that cruelly runs away with our discretion she then more seriously apologized for what she had said and declared herself an unaffected admirer of all she had heard of the good qualities of eugenia other subjects were then taken up till they were interrupted by a visit from the young bride mrs lissin jumping into the room i'm just run away she cried without saying a word to anybody i ordered my coach myself and told my own footman to whisper me when it came that i might get off without saying a word of the matter dear how they'll all stare when they miss me i hope they'll be frightened and why so you little chit why do you want to make them uneasy oh i don't mind i'm so glad to have my own way i don't care for anything else dear how do you do miss camilla tyrold i wonder you have not been to see me i had a great mind to have invited you to have been one of my bridesmaids but papa was so monstrous cross he would not let me do hardly anything i liked i was never so glad in my life as when i went out of the house to be married i'll never ask him about any one thing as long as i live again i'll always do just what i choose and are you quite sure mr lissin will never interfere with that resolution oh i shan't let him i dare say he would else that's one reason i came out so just now on purpose to let him see i was my own mistress and i told my coachman and my own footman and my maid all three that if they said one word i'd turn them all away for i intend always to turn em away when i don't like em i shall never say anything to mr lissen first for fear of his meddling i'm quite determined i won't be crossed any more now i've servants of my own i'm sure i've been crossed long enough then turning to camilla dear she cried how grave you look dear i wonder you don't marry too when i ordered my coach just now i was ready to cry for joy to think of not having to ask papa about it and to-day at breakfast i dare say i rang twenty times for one thing or another as fast as ever i could think of anything i went to ringing again for when i was at papa's every time i rang the bell he always asked me what i wanted only think of keeping one under so and what in the world said mr lissen to so prodigious an uproar oh he stared like anything but he could not say much i intend to use him to it from the first that he may never plague me like papa with asking me what's the reason for everything if i don't like the dinner to-day i'll order a new one to be dressed for me on purpose and mr lissen and papa and mrs smitten and the rest of em may eat the old one papa never let me order the dinner at home he always would know what there was himself and have what he chose i'm resolved i'll have everything i like best now every day i could not get at the cook alone this morning because so many of em were in the way though i rang for her a dozen times but to-morrow i'll tell her of some things i intend to have the whole year through in particular currant tarts and minced wheel and mashed potatoes i've been determined upon that these three years for against i was married 
Then, taking Camilla by the hand, she begged she would accompany her to the next room, saying, Pray excuse me, Aunt Albury, because I want to talk to Miss Tyrold about a secret. When they came to another apartment, after carefully shutting the door, Only think, she cried, Miss Camilla Tyrold, of my marrying Mr. Lisson at last. Pray, did you ever suspect it? I am sure I did not. When papa told me of it, you can't think how I was surprised. I always thought it would have been Colonel Andover, or Mr. MacDersey, or else Mr. Summers, unless it had been Mr. Wigan, or else your brother. But Mr. Lisson never once came into my head, because of his being so old. I dare say he's seven-and-twenty. Only think! but I believe he and papa had settled it all along. Only papa never told it me till just beforehand. I don't like him much, do you? I have not the pleasure to know him, but I hope you will endeavour to like him better now. I don't much care whether I do or not, for I shall never mind him. I always determine never to mind a husband. One minds one's papa because one can't help it. But only think of my being married before you, though you're seventeen years old, almost eighteen, I dare say, and I am only just fifteen. I could not help thinking of it all the time I was dressing for a bride. You can't think how pretty my dress was. Papa made Mrs. Mitten buy it because he said she could get everything so cheap, but I made her get it the dearest she could for all that. Papa's monstrous stingy. This secret conference was broken up by a violent ringing at the gate, succeeded by the appearance of Mr. Lissin, who, without any ceremony, opened the door of the chamber into which the ladies had retired. So, ma'am, said he, visibly very angry, I have the pleasure at last to find you. Dinner has waited till it is spoilt, and I hope therefore now you will do us the favour to come and sit at the head of your table she looked frightened and he took her hand which she had not courage to draw back though in a voice that spoke a sob near at hand i'm sure she cried this is not being treated like a married woman and i'm sure if i'd known i might not do as i like and come out when i'd a mind i would not have married at all mr lisson with little or no apology to mrs albury then conveyed his fair bride to her coach poor simple girl exclaimed mrs albury mr lisson who is a country squire of northwick will soon teach her another lesson than that of ordering her carriage just at dinner-time the poor child took it into her head that because upon marrying she might say my house my coach and my servants instead of my papa's and ring her bell for she pleased and give her own orders that she was to arrive at complete liberty and independence, and that her husband had merely to give her his name and lodge in the same dwelling, and she will regard him soon as a tyrant and a brute for not letting her play all day long the part of a wild schoolgirl just come home for the holidays. The rest of the visit passed without further investigation on the part of Mrs. Albury or embarrassment on that of Camilla, 
who found again some little pleasure in the conversation which at first had so much charmed and the kindness which even her apparent neglect had not extinguished mrs albury in two days claimed her again mr tyrrell would not permit her to send an excuse and she found that lady more kindly disposed to her than ever but with an undisguised compassion and concern in her countenance and manner she had now learnt that edgar was gone abroad and she had learnt that camilla had private debts to the amount of one hundred and eighteen pounds the shock of camilla when spoken to upon this subject was terrible she soon gathered she had been betrayed by mrs mitten who though she had made the communication as a profound secret to mrs albury with whom she had met at mrs lissin's there was every reason to suppose would whisper it in the same manner to an hundred persons besides mrs albury seeing her just uneasiness promised in this particular to obviate it herself by a conference with mrs mitten in which she would represent that her own ruin would be the consequence of divulging this affair from the general opinion which would prevail that she had seduced a young lady under age to having dealings with a usurer camilla deeply colouring accepted her kind offer but was forced upon a confession of the transaction though with a shame for her trust in such a character as mrs mitten that made her deem the relation a penance almost adequate to its wrong End of chapter ten read by Lars Rolander